You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network. Audio hosted by Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals. All right, and welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We are talking all about your Arizona Cardinals. Maybe not my Arizona Cardinals. Maybe even not your Arizona Cardinals by this point as they fall to 4-10 and 10 on the season. Uh, definitely a lot to talk about today. We'll get into it with uh, Johnny Kinsley at Brickwall Blitz is our guest today. Talk a bit about the NFL in general. Look around the league and then talk a little bit about the Cardinals, why they've gotten to this point, Kyler's deep ball, and where we go from here. Johnny, it's good to have you back on the program. It's the first time since I think it's at least at least a year, if not more, that we've had you on talking specifically about the deep ball project and just talking about the league in general. Yeah, uh, let's just say a lot has happened to the Cardinals since then, like a lot, and that's a vast understatement. But happy to be on anyway to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, obviously some of the best things as far as with at Brickwall Blitz you can find for not just video clips or content on Patreon too. Let's get in talking a little bit about just the NFL. There's a narrative you find every season. Narratives always change throughout the year. Some of them stay consistent. Uh, I've kind of told people I've almost not necessarily adopted, but there's always another team you like to kind of follow and see what happens with them every year. Uh, this year, one of those has been the Chargers. Like just watching the chaos that has been the Chargers and the Vikings has been exceptional to do this year. Uh, talk a little bit about some of what you've seen as far as with some of the best narratives this season, or maybe even you know, humor's got a place in everyday life. Maybe some of the funniest narratives that we've seen on the season, because a lot of these team narratives that we've seen year over year, they're sticking in a big way in the 2022 season. Well, I think the I think the most obvious one has to be like the fact that like the Vikings are the worst. Or like, like, like maybe not fact, but like, everyone, 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 like everyone oh, says Vikings. the Vikings are the worst, like eleven and three team, like ever. I think their point differential is either plus one or plus two. Um, yeah, two which points. You would, which who points? Yeah, two two point two points. Like so, um, if 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 they had tied uh, on Saturday, they they would have clinched the the uh, NFC North anyway. But they also would have still had a. Uh, like they wouldn't even had like a negative or positive differential. <laughs> like they're like it would have been like straight up zero, I think. But um, yeah, it is it 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 really is funny that uh, when, like whenever the Vikings win, it's never really by a blowout outside of Week One where they won by like twenty to the Packers, and when they lose, it's gonna be by like two or three scores. So yeah, um, I th- like I think the funniest narrative is that the Vikings just like they're not really a good team, but like they're probably like. The luckiest team, like the luckiest team I've seen in quite a while, like may, like maybe the most, like maybe the luckiest team ever, and like certainly like certainly one of the most entertaining I've seen because like they're always in these close games at the very end. Like the fact that they've they made like the greatest comeback ever by like by like NFL points, like thir- history, NFL oh. history, and. But I mean that that like that could o- that could also only happen when Matt Ryan is the impo- opposing quarterback. Unfortunately, <laughs> postseason, uh, regular season, that dude that dude cannot catch a break. He, like like I like I guarantee you, like if he, if he like played in the Pro Bowl again, like they'd probably blow like a four forty nothing or something like that. Gosh, just yeah. like even it out or something. I think they said that Matt Ryan's now been on the losing end of four of the biggest blown leads in NFL history, which is just incredible really? when you think about. It. Oh yeah, like there was the one that was in the Super Bowl. Obviously, you know we all talk about twenty-eight to three. It's just a thing. They also blew a lead in the NFC title game 
Uh, that was the one where actually it was Matt Ryan with the Falcons. People forget they were up 17 to zero. And I believe that was yeah. one of the Julio games. And then the, the Niners went and beat them, got to the Super Bowl that year. Uh, Ravens did end up beating them. They also they said that's one of the largest leads blown in an international game. In 2014, they said that this is a week eight game in London. No one remembers, at least at the time, but they oh, had 21 yeah. zips. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. <laughs> and the Lions came back 22-0. Incredible. I remember this for, like, one specific reason. Like, like the reason I remember it is because, like, Matt Ryan threw, like, the worst interception I've yep. ever seen. If you like, if, yeah. if if you've seen it, like you definitely know what I'm talking about. It is they had four, I, three punts, and then he threw like it was this awful, awful punt. At least at some kid, just it's really funny to think about one of those things. As far as we're not just Matt Ryan, like how much do you say poor Matt Ryan? To how much do you just start looking at, you know, this guy is just bringing that bad juju with him to the Indianapolis Colts is what it seems like right now. Yeah, it's just, like like I, I I do feel bad because I think like. 20 to 3 and 33 to nothing have pretty much killed off like whatever Hall of Fame case he had. Like mm-hmm. obviously if he would have if, if he would have won that Super Bowl, he'd probably be a Hall of Famer right now. Which is like which is kind of messed up cuz like like all, all it would take is like one win, like one like possible change to like a game's outcome for a player to make a Hall of Fame, which oh, I mean, I don't know. But but but, but like uh, but like also like people are like, "Oh, may- like maybe there's still a chance." It's not looking great, but like you know, he still got time. And then 33 nothing happened and everyone was like yeah, no, never mind. He's he's all very good. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot I think as far as for what everyone's looked through where it's like how much of it is Hall of Fame just on production like you know Philip Rivers 16 years Carson Palmer is in there for about that long or so, and then you got Matty Ice who's just like all right the stats are there he's got like you know over 60,000 yards he's got production but then you end up looking at just the games themselves and you just you know it feels like there's so not just wasted opportunities you're just like ah oh, there's just so much at least in the clutch at least for the most part which is funny given that that was the nickname that came up for it was because he was ice cold in the fourth quarter quarter spent the rest of yep. the uh, career just basically proving that wrong the other thing i think as far as a funny narrative has been the niners and their injured quarterback it's like one of those stats that they say about kyle shanahan without jimmy garoppolo stinks well you know we had two quarterbacks i think that we got to see play we had one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time played and then tom brady was on the other side of the field is what the joke was as we saw bryce yep. uh, brock purdy local from arizona he goes on and actually has been pretty solid pushing the ball a little further not maybe as consistent but like you start with Trey Lance, you trade up for him. He can't stay healthy. You bring back Jimmy Garoppolo where you're like, well, he can't stay healthy, which is why we traded for Trey Lance. You then go to Brock Purdy, and yet the Niners and their defense are still winning games. They're still making plays. It's incredible to see right now how good that team has been, despite the fact that most teams at this point just end up kind of having to throw in the towel because they don't have a capable decision maker at quarterback. Props to Kyle Shanahan, I guess, for that's all you can say. Yeah, and I I, th- I think another team that comes to mind in this regard, like with injuries, like obviously is the Chargers, and uh, like obviously they like they're both California teams, uh, face each other like ever like every once in a while. But um, one like one key difference, like and like I think I think like which is probably be obvious is uh, coaching, because um, you know, like like pretty much like you've said with Brock Purdy, he like he's like he's like a third string quarterback at this point. And uh, just and uh, J- Justin Herbert is a guy that you could say could be top five. He's definitely top ten right now. And like the fact that he's like carrying this team to like an eight six record is impressive because like not only is it, are, are like the injuries like very very bad, but also like the coaching um, on both sides of the ball has been like le- less inadequate, less inadequate, especially like the offensive side because Joe Lombardi is like I. I <laughs> 
I I I I truly don't know how Joe Lombardi got another chance at offensive coordinator after like his stint with Detroit. He almost ruined Matthew Stafford and, and like like at least in Stafford's sake, like things were able to get better eventually. Um, in her in like in in Herbert's case, like I like th- I I'm really not I, I really think they would have to miss the playoffs for Lombardi to get fired at all. But um, but going going back to the 49ers, I think like there's a key difference in there and it, which is like. Kyle Shanahan, D'Amico Ryan's the coaching staff have done a fantastic job of getting the next guy up, like the next player available, or, or like, or, or like, an, or like in another another phrase would be like player by committee or whatever. Because, um, yeah, like they're just like there just seems like there's so much depth on the 49ers that the Chargers do not have at this point, and that's and like that 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 has hurt the Chargers in a lot of games. Like, what it what is interesting is like they could clinch the playoffs this week, which after like all they've went through like you would not expect at all but um it really does explain it really does explain like the difference between the 49ers and Chargers which is like the coaching is just unbelievable on the San Francisco spark yeah Chargers at least like I remember the Cardinals are playing the Chargers and that was when I did my game predictions for the rest of the year that was like the one game I said the Cardinals had a good chance of winning because you got Kyler Murray as a running quarterback is back you know that they're not going to be able to stop James Conner they had an awesome offense for the most part up until the last three drives of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you see your uh, special teams error, other stuff that goes on a penalty, and then suddenly end up with Justin Herbert scoring a touchdown, going ahead for two, and the Cardinals just kind of sitting there going into their bye week wondering, how did we happen to just lose that game against a front that could not stop us until it was like the last five minutes of the game? It was just unbelievable. I think that Herbert's yards per attempt this season, unless I'm mistaken, he's at about seven yards per attempt at least. Or no, he's at yeah, he's at 7.1. <sighs> For a guy with that arm talent and that skill, a lot of that I think falls onto the injuries on the offensive line. Obviously, Rashawn Slater has been out. You know, you can talk at least about Corey Lindsley. He's been banged up. Kyler Murray's only at 7.1. No, Gerbert's at 7.1. Kyler's on the season at 7.0. They've been a little bit better, but we've really seen at least how the offensive line injuries and lack of receivers, at least available, has impacted both passing games as well as both quarterbacks have been pretty banged up as a result. It'll be interesting, I think, to see, like, I feel for sure that Lombardi's got to be out. If he's back, it's one of those surprising, like, you know, it would be one of the things at least, or it would be hard to watch Chargers football for another season because you at least can say that the Chargers are probably still making the playoffs by carrying, you know, Joe Lombardi while he's like that friend blacked out or something like that with your bachelor party. You having two guys having to carry yeah. him. That's like what Justin Herbert's basically been doing so far with him. Yeah. I was like, I was a bit surprised that like the Cardinals were able to like uh, fumble that game away because the Chargers are so like, inconsistent like they like they fluctuate like every time in the fourth quarter you like you never know if they're gonna win or lose and I felt like at that point regardless of like how clutch like Justin Herbert has been in those kind of situations that like the rest of the offense was not gonna like follow suit but um the Cardinals found a way like the, like the Cardinals did find a way like and, and like I, I I did look on pro football reference and the like I, I'm actually surprised because like I didn't think they'd be near the bottom but um they're allowing like the most points out of like any team in the league like 200 like not, not excuse me uh 372 right now which is kind of insane cons- like well like it does make sense considering like like depth was like an issue for them all season but i just didn't think it would be that bad no it, and it's fascinating too because if you look at the other stats their yards per game they're probably about average at least for the most part in passing yards per game you look at as far as for like rushing yards per game they are 
pretty much average as well. The issue has just been that they've had these weird, like, key mistakes that they've been making for the most part. Like, they give up 237 passing yards, and they give up at least, as far as it goes, like, about 100, 110 rushing yards a game. It's basically the idea, at least, is that there's something where the Cardinals just end up blowing a lead for one way or another, whether that's going to be a penalty that's poorly timed, whether it's um, going to be like, you know, they lock down, force a three and out one play, force a three and out again. And then you see a long 12 play drive that gives up a lead that you know is coming. And that's pretty much exactly what happened the, the week after their bye with the Patriots on Monday night. Kind of go into the half at like, you know, hey, we're only about down by three points. They don't score. Cliff goes for on fourth and one. They have the play call. Guy makes a great play. And then, of course, the Patriots drive down the field and are able to kick a field goal there. It's just a six-point swing either way, and then they just get blown out, unable to stop the run in the second half. Uh, truly just been one of the interesting cases it's the second time that's happened under Vance Joseph. Uh, we can talk a bit about the cards and some of that, too. I did want to at least try to wrap up a little bit with just the biggest narrative, I think, in the NFL this year. Obviously, Jalen Hurts is going to make a lot of money. We can talk about Tua Tagovailoa and Tua on the entire movement based off of the QAnon movement that was saying Tua is a great quarterback. I think there's something else to it, and I think you do too as far as who, who the real MVP might be, as Kevin Durant would say. But you got Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers have all looked terrible this year, and there's a lot of factors going on. Let's, let's start with the old quarterbacks before we talk at least about Tua and what's going on with him and with the Dolphins, who are not doing as well as they were to begin with. Yeah, I mean, uh, with Russell Wilson, like you can probably point out that uh, like he like he's like he's always been like one of the best deep passers in the league, particularly on the sidelines, which is something that like the like the two, like the whole too high movement has taken away uh, from him. And uh, like it, like it, it's it's not this like it's it's I think it's like less that he's washed like and and like more that like they have taken away a complete strength of his and like he's found like almost like zero way to like adjust to it like of course like the Chiefs game like he did have a really good second half and so like there's like a bit of optimism there that's the but, Chiefs um, defense is the only downside like that's that is that is that's true. the hardest part I think at least for each of those teams is Patrick Mahomes has never had a top-notch defense but again like he did is still perform and produce but score points on the board absolutely absolutely but um like like that that, that is a good point like like the, like also the the tech like the Texans like were able to score a bunch on the Chiefs defense so like that kind of raises questions of, like of, of how like legit Russell Wilson's performance against them was um I think like I think out of uh the three quarterbacks you've mentioned I think Brady has been like the best this season because like you can legitimately point to you can legitimately point to like the rest of the cast not being so good the offensive line has really struggled like particularly Donovan Smith who everyone everyone in the Bucks fan base just seems to hate a lot um, I feel like um, I lost Aaron the starting Rogers center hit. for the year. I was gonna say was that seemed like is when yeah. that blow happened. It was just like this is a really big blow, and I don't think we realized at the time that it was almost a death knell to the Bucks season, considering how much they run the ball on first down and don't have interior mm. offensive linemen or good tackles and pass pro. Yeah, it's kind of wild to of see. Tristan like Wirfs, my man crush, Tristan Wirfs, obviously is still there. He's been yeah. a little banged up, but like you said. Between Smith, the O line, it's just it's been it's been rough sledding in in Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, at least they're like leading at division though. <laughs> like that's not a particularly good division, but oh uh, yeah, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, going to going to Aaron Rodgers, he's like he's like the middle guy. He's like the second best, but also second worst of like the, um, those guys you've mentioned. Rodgers, um, I, I don't like I don't know what it is. I don't, like actually, I, I do know what it is. It's the fact that like his deep accuracy has like taken like a steady decline since twenty twenty one. Even even when he won MVP that year, like his deep accuracy. I was talking to Packers fans. And uh, like like they admitted, like yeah, um, his deep accuracy is nowhere near where it was in 2020. And uh, also just the fact that they're like they're like their best receiver is a rookie. And, and like even even before Christian Watson uh, was like coming along, their best receiver before then was also a rookie in Romeo Dubs. So um, I don't yeah yeah I don't know what it is like with the Packers front office they have just sabotaged Aaron Rodgers. When it was made clear that like they really needed like to get a receiver early, and, like at least like for the, for like for the time being, Christian Watson has, has hit something. But like outside of him, their receiving depth is kind of average to the point where like Sammy Watkins was bad enough where the Packers of all teams were able to release him. Like that's that's pretty insane at that point. Absolutely. I, I also think, too, when you look at just the way their team is built, David Bakhtiari's basically just been on and off. It seems like we don't never know when he's going to play. He's just seemed, he's always been stalwart and anchored that line. They moved on from Devonta Adams, who I, I think I agree with you. He made up for a lot of those deep plays because you could find ways to either get him isolated or you just knew that his route running was going to be able to get open on the same page with his quarterback. Packers go out and get two defensive players in the first round. Uh the fact of the matter is that their defense has been atrocious has just been one of the yeah. other stories at least for the season where Packers go out try to get better on defense Chiefs take exactly the same approach you've kind of seen one quarterback in Patrick Mahomes get weapons that were veterans one of those even being from the Packers that has been able to kind of carry the team and of course obviously Travis Kelsey has still been able to just put up sensational numbers and the Packers from their side just seem to kind of double down on their approach if we're going to be able to run the game well and without having the solid offensive line that they had and throwing Rodgers having obviously a broken thumb that that seems to be all together has just led to what's been a team that's just average it's not great it's not been really like that bad as far as for being an atrocious team but it's a team that right now is just beating up on teams that are worse than them and Really, it's fascinating to at least see how these quarterbacks have just fallen off a cliff so quickly in their 30s. Or with Tom Brady, like you said, he's probably at least had the best season overall, considering just what everything has gone through with the Buccaneers in that division. It's definitely been a place where, you know, you can see him playing for another season and not dropping off a cliff quite yet as far as for maybe those other quarterbacks have done. Yeah, like a lot of people have said, he could be going to the Raiders, which would like it, like it, like his career would come completely full circle because like he, like he clearly like like he had, he had kind of like a breakthrough, um, like narrative wise against the Raiders with the Tuck rule, in the like in that playoffs, and then like and like everything that's happened since then, like people have said like oh like if that didn't happen like maybe like maybe Bledsoe still would have got a job like I don't know like that like that's like that that could be far fetched to say, but. Uh, to like to like go back to Las Vegas at 46, which is like as a starter, like how like how does that happen? Like that like that's something not even like Vinny Testaverde could have done. And Testaverde played until he was like 50 or whatever. But like for him to go, yeah, for yeah, for him to go back to like or like for him to go to Vegas and like maybe finish his career there, um, that would be kind of poetic, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Oh, I would say like at some point I would love to just see the Raiders versus Patriots game, and then you know. 
well, the, some form of Max Crosby or something like that goes through. Mac Jones tucks the ball. It's fumbled, and suddenly they end up ruling against. And then all of a sudden, that's the point where the Brady magic collapses. <laughs> like, at some point, you just reverse the tuck rule, and all of a sudden, that's like Tom's mojo would just be like, all right, that's it. He's going to be gone now. But, man, that does make a lot of sense as far as – the other one I know people bring up, and this is more Cardinal-specific, some have brought up the Niners, say, hey, Trey Lance is coming off of this. We'll keep him around Aaron Rodgers-style, bring Tom back to the Bay – they probably have the most talented roster in the NFL overall, I would say. Yeah. Maybe you could argue for the Eagles, but at least as far as the impact that you're seeing with a healthy Nick Bosa, with a healthy George Kittle, really, they've just been running teams over. And that was before they brought Christian McCaffrey in to essentially be their running back for the remainder of this season. And truly impressive to be able to see, I think. So I think that you're right. I'm familiar with Josh McDaniels. Buccaneers getting a younger quarterback, you could say, to kind of do a bit of a rebuild or having, you know, that typical, hey, this is a bridge quarterback. And if he plays better, then he's more than just a bridge quarterback. We'll see what happens, at least for all of those. But that, I think, will be a fascinating narrative to follow as Tom Brady, as well as Lamar Jackson entering the final year of his free agency. Do you think that the Ravens will keep Lamar, sign him to the big deal he wants? Or is this going to be kind of that interesting tag and then maybe trading and then maybe another type of record setting deal which we just saw a year ago at Deshaun Watson obviously completely different circumstances we don't even like I don't even like to talk about the player that is Deshaun Watson because I still feel like he shouldn't be back in the league at this point Lamar Jackson on the other hand is seemingly just not really been on the same page with the Ravens to the point that a team like Kyler Murray signed his deal Josh Allen his deal even with some of these players not doing as well after the three years, Jared Goff comes to mind with the Rams. The fact Lamar's going to his final year for the most part, it's it's really strange with him and with Dak Prescott. I'd argue that those are two MVP caliber quarterbacks. Yeah, I would too. Um, I think in that regard, uh, we're probably going to see something like uh, like a franchise tag or two, similar to like what Kirk Cousins was doing when he was when he was with the uh, redacted team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would yeah I would probably expect that like I do kind of want to see him get traded to like an actual team because like it doesn't really seem yeah. like the Ravens Ravens are really like relying on like getting like getting really good receivers of course like they tried they like they, it's not that it's not that they haven't tried like they tried with Hollywood Brown who I liked a lot um in college and uh, he's uh, he's also a guy that uh, you're familiar with because he's on the Cardinals right now right. um and then and then uh, Rashad Babin who was who was like. Who, like who's been really good when he's healthy the problem is he's just never healthy so yeah, exactly. it, like it, it, it just looks like a glaring hole mark andrews has been one of the best tight ends in the league but uh like he's had some really kind of like kind of like dud games where like they don't even target him at all he's had weird drops he makes this incredible athletic one-handed catch of an inaccurate ball and then the next yeah. one it's like a routine like flat route and just drops the ball it's fascinating this year with him yeah, it's 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 quite odd to say the least. Like that that uh, that whole Ravens team need like they like they need like a wellness check for sure. And we'll see at least what goes on with how the Ravens will do because the Ravens and Cardinals. It's weird to think about at least for the most part with the Ravens and Cardinals because essentially the Cardinals had a decision to make where both teams needed a starting center. They both needed a wide receiver. Ravens end up getting the starting center and Tyler Linderbaum, who the Cardinals probably would have taken. They instead make the trade for Hollywood Brown. 
wanting more of a deep threat, knowing that they kind of needed that second receiver, especially with Christian Kirk walking for what seemed like, I think, at the time, insane money. Now you're looking at that team going, all right, like they're probably going to be cooking with Trevor Lawrence for the most part. They get Calvin Ridley if he's able to get back up to form next year after the suspension. That doesn't seem to make as much sense to me, but besides the point. Uh, meanwhile, the Cardinals end up needing a brand-new center now with Rodney Hudson, and you look at that Ravens receiving core and go, gosh, you sure would have loved to have had Hollywood Brown back around there. And it was one of these trades where feels like both teams like won and lost big time in all those trades, and that's one thing that's been fascinating is it's kind of going to lead to a big shift, I think, for the Cardinals this offseason, and it just shows you that even with NFL trades, when you can say the trade is successful, you never know what the impact is going to be just because the team building that you're going into is maybe at one point and it may be completely at an opposite end, which is, I think, how we're seeing with the Ravens and Cardinals right now. You kind of feel like there's going to be a bit of a reset, and it really will depend, though. One team may be building around their quarterback they signed to a long-term deal. Maybe the other one does do that, too, or maybe they trade him away. Yeah, and it's super frustrating for the Cardinals because, like, because like at one point it like it like it seems like they plugged in a hole and then all of a sudden like all these other holes at different positions have appeared like like center left guard like the whole the, like the whole left side of the offensive line um de- like defense defensive line like at one point at one point they had like the absolute worst like pass rush attack in the league even with JJ Watt yeah. on the field and uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. It's, 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 it's just completely frustrating with them because, like, because at like one point, it's not like they're not trying at this point, but it's just like one hole appears and then like five holes appear at yeah. the same time. Which but is it's, it's not from one place too. Like you'll also see guys making different mistakes every single time. You can look at, you know, as a fourth and two, Hollywood Browns had a great season for them. Drops a pass at least, goes up and jumps for it. DeAndre Hopkins a fumble against the Patriots, and you're like, those are like two of your best playmakers. It's not like this is you know the special teams guy dropping a punt or you know having a holding call that disturbs a drive or snapping the ball over Kyler Murray's head, which happened in the Vikings game. <laughs> On a clutch third down that just pushed the Cardinals out. It's like there's all of these different things that have seemed to have gone wrong all at once. I think that will lead us into kind of transitioning into talking a little bit about the Cardinals. I prefer to talk about like if Geno Smith can reclaim that magic that he had early in the season. It seems kind of like things are shifting with the Seahawks, but this is a Cardinals podcast. Probably should at least go and talk about the Cardinals some. What has been the straw that's broken the camel's back this year? Because to me, you can say that maybe Kyler Murray was the final straw and the Cardinals are just probably not favored to win a game, very likely not to win a game this year. But it felt like they were a bad team before that, even with the injuries that had happened, you put things together, even with the way that the team had kind of entered the season. They entered the season injured. They've only gotten, it seems like, more injured throughout the year. What's been kind of the reason, if there's one that you can think of, why you think it all went wrong? I think it would have to be the offensive line because in previous seasons the offensive line was kept under check by Sean Kluger. Um, the play, like the play calling, was never good in my opinion. Like, it, like it, it was, it was adequate at times, and like second half, um, like it completely falls off a cliff as it kind of does. No pun intended. Mm. Um, like I, but to me, to me, I think it's the offensive line. Like the offensive line has just gotten completely worse. Kyler Murray has always been a guy that that, that like he's like he's kind of like thrown like a uh, off platform. He's kind of like thrown like while he's backpedaling in a pocket, and uh, like I th- like, I think he's doing that like a lot more. Like he was doing that a lot more this season because like I don't like I really don't think he trusts that offensive line at all. Mm. And they like they certainly have tried to like negate it a bit by like having these quick passes. The problem is like there's so many screens so, like it's it's just 
completely predictable and uh like there's like there was really like a lack of like a downfield attack which is mm-hmm. like just like heinous to like think about when you consider that Hollywood Brown is an adequate deep threat. DeAndre Hopkins, like one of the best deep threats we've seen in like quite some time. It's just the pro- like it's just like the problem is uh, like like everything's like falling down like in like in 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 the crapper because the offensive line is just like the offensive line has just been even worse than it has like in previous seasons. Yeah, and that's something at least it's interesting. The Cardinals kind of after last year, their entire approach after starting out ten and two and then going eleven and seven on the season being blown out in the playoffs. That was a game where I think Buda Baker basically left that game on a stretcher. They checked he had a concussion but no long term neck injury, which ended up being you know, that's always beneficial at least to find out because it is a dangerous game. The wacky thing is that they came into this season. And you're like, all right, you got, you know, a need to basically take over for someone for Rodney Hudson long term. He missed a lot of last season. A lot of times you see a guy who's an Iron Man type of a player goes out, gets hurt. And then you kind of end up knowing whether or not they're going to come back based off of retirement rumors. That was through the roof with Rodney Hudson. They did not comment on it. They didn't talk about it. He was like, they even said, I think he was an unexcused absence from their practice. Comes back at least after about a month or so. And it feels very much like Hudson knew kind of that his knee was pretty bad. Had to kind of be talked back into returning. Some people speculated that maybe the Cardinals trying to add a center made him frustrated. I think it's pretty easy to see it's the opposite now that they were trying to add a center because they probably knew he wasn't going to be making it through a whole season. Uh, Justin Pugh comes back, at least had been considering retirement. Kind of, they said, gets paid more than the market value. Almost like he said, hey, is this my price, Cardinals general manager, to come back? They just don't even bicker about it, bring it back. They've also lost DJ Humphreys for the year. They've had depth at tackle for the most part, which is the one thing that's nice, but... You're also looking at Kelvin Beecham's last season. Um, they've had other guys beat up. It just feels like that this is very similar to Cardinals' offensive lines in the past, where the team, I think you look at one way that you can respond to it, which is you recognize a weakness, you go out and you make some different moves, you make some different areas where you can improve it. I think of the Kansas City Chiefs traded for a tackle, drafted a great one. I think, in, I believe it's Trey Smith, or I believe is the one who's there. We're able to bring guys in because after Mitchell Schwartz retired, it's like, you guys are completely uh, at odds. They get Creed Humphrey in the second round, one of the players, at least that the Cardinals and their GM was passing on um, because he was a left-handed center. And that's when I heard that was one of the news that there's like, okay, so you're passing on a left-handed center. Is it because you're not sure about if Kyler Murray's going to be getting snaps from this left-handed center? Because it's not like there's any film of Creed Humphrey snapping the ball to Kyler Murray. It's just that type of boneheadedness that kind of would follow around the Cardinals and that kind of leads us to a Steve Kime who as of right now he's at least on a medical leave away from the team uh CBS reporting he's not expected to be back you and I talked about this pre-show we also think this is what we've seen in the past where when you see a general manager who is not either gonna get fired is too well respected for it or too close to the owner we've seen them essentially just take this medical leave and that's their way of being able to essentially like you know, get that pink slip without necessarily having fired on their resume so they can keep doing work if they want to or at least kind of keep some of that dignity around because uh, this has just been a brutal year for the Cardinals where it seemed like every move Steve Kime kind of made, it just collapsed for the most part completely. Yeah, and like, you know, he's all, he's, like, he's definitely had some really good picks. Like, uh, obviously, bringing in J.J. Watt was impactful and he was having a great 2021 before that injury like pretty much took off. Uh, the vast majority of that season, like he did come back postseason, but it was like kind of like all for naught. 
Uh, but um, I think I like it was it was obviously like way past time for him like to prob like to probably leave at this point like 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 maybe maybe two three years or something like that. Um, you probably could have said like the DUI would probably be, probably would have been like the straw that broke the camel's back mm. in that sense. But they were uh, but like I guess like the front office or like the ownership was like kind of like forgiving and just like figured let's give him another chance like 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 perhaps like perhaps he can like write the ship around. And um, mm. yeah. I don't know if Steve Kime is going to be like, I don't know if he's going to be like back in like a GM role like after mm. this, like and like and like anytime soon, like 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 maybe he'll be like a consultant or like like some kind of draft consultant, like a like whatever like Ryan Gregson is doing right now. Mm, yeah, but uh, yeah, I would probably say he's not going to be a GM next season. Yeah, that's that's my yeah. take. I, and, I, and then right now we can at least see with it wasn't a spot of we're holding a seat open. The Cardinals almost immediately said we've got Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris, their VP of player personnel. I think he's of scouting and Adrian Wilson's a VP of player personnel. They've moved into the uh, interim GM role. There's not much you can do at this point to try out, but it, it does feel interesting, at least considering that the Cardinals on the coaching side, they've just gotten run over in the second half of games. You've seen Kyler Murray at least go down with an ACL injury, which has kind of shifted a lot of things for people looking at next season. Uh, it's really just one of those areas. That I think if you look back on kind of what I'd say this era of Cardinals football under Steve Kime, you can kind of paint at least this weird picture of almost like you kind of ended up hitting at least what was probably a need to tear the building down. They kind of just said, all right, no, we're just going to go ahead, pave over that for the most part. Like, we're not going to worry about having to tear this thing down. We're just going to kind of patch over the walls, have the next person come in. It's going to be all fine. This has kind of been the season at least where you're probably looking at some form of a tear down. A lot of that's because there's not really that much to go off of with the coaching staff outside of, you know, the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray relationship, which being honest, at least a lot of people have wondered about if Kingsbury is going to be like a suitable NFL head coach versus more of the offensive coordinator. I think we've seen that he's probably been better than most people expected. Like he's got close to a 500 record in the NFL, was close to passing up, you know, Kyle Shanahan's total record, but then you look at the lack of performance in the playoffs and how the offense just completely seemed to fall apart when DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown weren't on the field. And even then, you're like getting 20 or so points a game with one of those being a late score. Defensively, you've seen just Vance Joseph and the Cardinals have really just been that team that bends until they don't break and then they break. Uh, it's very curious, I think, at least to see with the Cardinals. Do you think this should be a complete teardown? And should the Cardinals use Kyler Murray's recovering from an ACL as kind of a reason to move on from the coaching staff or opposite? Should they kind of keep maybe Cliff around as a lame duck, knowing that it's going to be kind of hard to sell a coach on the Cardinals until Kyler Murray's fully recovered? It's just that ACL threw a lot of Cardinals fans for a loop by kind of resetting what expectations may be for next year. I think that ACL tear probably saved Cliff's future with the Cardinals at least for another year. I think like like Kime's gonna be Kime's gonna be one that's gonna be gone, and like you said, Cliff's probably gonna be the lame duck at this point. Um, I like I, I would definitely clean house, but uh, like I know that's probably not something they really want to do. Like I, I think I think they like they think like they could have another season like twenty twenty one at least like the first half of it anyway. Um, where they where the, where they could recapture some of that magic. I just think at this point, like the damage has kind of already been done. They really need to tear it down. But I expect Cliff to be around as the lame duck for next season. 
Yeah, that's going to be tough. I know a lot of the th- – I think the question I had was with Cliff Kingsbury. If he stays around for next season, are people going to view him as a victim or more of like a villain of a guy who should have been cleaned out was not? That's kind of, I think, one of the things that you're going to look at. What's been different as far as with um, Cliff, I think, is also the division that he plays in. He's got Pete Carroll up against him. You've got Sean McVay you've been going up against, and then Kyle Shanahan. They were able to do successful last year against the NFC West, and then – just got destroyed by the NFC West three times or so down the stretch. It does kind of seem to me like that it's, like you said, we'll see how it is because a lot of people in that ownership group even questioned if Steve Keim was going to be let go from the team. Turns out it seems like one way or another he's moved on. Whether they can go and hire someone from outside of the organization, um, I do think that like I, if I were the Cardinals, I think we talked about that there's a move that they could make that keeps Adrian Wilson around but not necessarily as the team's general manager. Really? Yeah. Uh, the idea behind that would be you would keep Adrian Wilson around, you would promote him internally to the uh, team president role, and the ownership would then actually take a step back from being the team president. Essentially, it would be a way that instead of Wilson going and becoming a GM, you'd put him over the whole organization. Now, I do think that with Wilson, he's probably been waiting for his time to get a job, to make picks, to do more of those. I think that that would be at least one thing you could offer to see. Um, that would be the only way, I think, because if you do clean house kind of completely, maybe that would be the one thing you could kind of offer to sell and say, hey, Michael Bidwell here taking a step back from being so involved in the team. I'll let Adrian handle some of that aspect now. You guys do your thing for the most part. I'll then bring in a coach who's able to kind of right the ship and unfortunately it kind of feels like even if michael bidwell tries to go through with one of those type of moves which you know some local media talked about that as a possibility it feels kind of like that wilson would love to be the guy making picks and also you're probably going to be in a spot at least where michael bidwell giving up some of that control is going to be interesting to be able to see because they haven't had an outside general manager for the arizona cardinals for his entire tenure. They had Rod Graves before, at least, and they moved on from him with Ken Wisenhunt. Maybe not fully willingly, but they knew that they had Steve Kime waiting in the wings, and he was the guy who was the college scouting guy director. Anyway, it's going to be really interesting because this is going to be a Cardinals offseason that potentially with Steve Kime out, if they do clean a house, would be unlike any other, which is why I, I can see with you that it could be very likely that that's not the move that they make because that's just not who Michael Bidwell is. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a Cardinals offseason to remember, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a a quick break, at least, for that one with an ad. Got to pay the bills, at least. We'll be back here on the other side talking about Kyler Murray, the deep ball, and what else has gone wrong with the passing attack. That'll be next here on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. And we are back with the Revenge of the Birds podcast. All right, so... Let's talk about part of the reason why you're here. You've been one of the guys who've charted with your deep ball project every year. Obviously, it's available not just on your Patreon. You've sent out video clips throughout the year. The biggest thing I think that you pointed out was you got a vision of Justin Pugh, who's playing with a hurt elbow after already being banged up into camp. Pass rusher blows by him. Kyler throws this terrible ball that should probably have gotten intercepted. That's just one example of how the Cardinals passing attack went. But there's a bigger narrative to Kyler Murray where it's not just that a couple of throws have been off. We've just seen a complete collapse of a guy who was one of the best deep ball passers in the game. And 
frankly, it's kind of surprising to see, even amidst the rest of the Cardinals' As I mentioned offense before, being it's like probably, this, it, like he was still productive a, like, and an accurate deep back in 2019 and 2020. Done What's happened in 2022 that's uh, just in, in, so radically has not shifted done much to adjust in the way um, that, uh, his accuracy that helps when the Cardinals crossing offense, a deep you know, like in a way that kind of like neuters it with all the like with all the short passes and st- short passes and stuff like that. Uh, also, the fact that Murray did not have a single completion of like 31 plus yards is uh is is really surprising because in previous seasons, um, I have the chart for last season as well. He had he had like 11 completions on 20 attempts of 31 plus yards, which is pretty good. Um, but that but then it goes all the way down to zero. That is extremely concerning. Like he only had like one accurate pass in those in like in those areas as well. It's just. It's very surprising to me because usually, usually when a situation gets like a lot worse, like like maybe a quarterback who is that accurate, like like it, like it, like his rates fall to like average or maybe slightly below average. But in this sense, it's like Murray's accuracy. Like if it wasn't like last year's deep ball project, it would be 29th out of 33 quarterbacks. That is like that is shocking because Murray has never like he's never done anything but be a great deep passer like at least on the accuracy sense of it and uh like all like all of his rates except like maybe like a couple have been like have been worse this season and i mean like i'm like i'm not sure what's going on i think at this i think at this point you have to trust murray more than you would the coaching staff you would trust murray more to get get some of that deep magic back than you would for the coaching staff to kind of like be the ones to kind of fix it because i think like like i obviously we've talked about it before like pre-show and on the show like maybe they should probably like clean house and give maria maria like a fresh start whether with this team or another but that like they're probably not going to do that like coaching wise so Yeah, I know that to start the season, and this is just kind of with the beginning of August, he did not play, at least in the preseason opener, had minor wrist soreness. They also had COVID, at least for a time. And some of that, I think, at least we even talked about as Cardinals fans. You know, how much of this with Cliff Kingsbury when Cliff first came to the Valley, people took videos of their offense. We're all like, oh, hey, look, it's the air raid. You're watching that 10 personnel with four wide receivers on the field. And they're like, no, no, camera's off, camera's off, at least for that one. We want to keep this a secret. So we wonder how much of these guys were, you know, just not being trotted out for the most part. On the other hand, you look at their injuries this season. Maybe they just weren't healthy enough. I think it'll depend a lot when we see next year how much of Kyler Murray and that wrist soreness on his – uh, throwing uh, shoulder, how much of that was effective? Because you're right. They had a big deep pass, I think, that he had to um, Zach Ertz, where Ertz essentially had to kind of dive for the ball despite being wide open, almost as like a one-handed type of hauling it in. And that, I believe, was Murray's longest pass of the season. It was just, I think, 31 yards or so. It was not an accurate ball. So you got to say one way or another, it's like, you know, some people have pointed to Carson Wentz and wondered if maybe there's been an injury or two or something or just the lack of trust in the offensive line, the scheme, just a place at least where just not able to connect. I think a lot of it has had to do, too, where I've seen a lot of teams have been playing still more cover one, and as a result of the Cardinals, you know, not having a good offensive line, you don't really have to, you know, bring – you can bring one safety into the box, take away everything that's there, and the Cardinals, when they're going and trying to throw the ball deep, I think that the, having that second cornerback or that second safety, I think, out there has been one of the things we've seen of – 
a narrative of NFL defense is doing a lot better. Yeah. But it's definitely a whole spot of when you see a guy who goes from really great to really bad, you usually always say, oh, well, that's something you can see with Russell Wilson. Like, he's 34, takes sacks every year. He's just lost a bit of that athleticism, lost some of that luster. Kyler's 25, so this is a, would be a totally different type of collapse. And I'm curious, you mentioned at least like a new start here or elsewhere. There's some Cardinals fans who'd think that the team should move on to a different quarterback despite you know some $84 million cap hit next year. I think it's more likely that you probably want to at least see what Kyler will look like with a new regime, like you said, and also see probably like we've seen guys come back from ACLs before. We've also seen some guys who've never been the same. It's going to be really interesting as far as the offseason goes, whether Kyler is a selling point for a coach or if you're talking about selling a 5'10 quarterback who has a gorgeous deep ball and maybe doesn't have that deep ball anymore. It's going to be very interesting to see, I think, how uh, the rest of the league feels about the Arizona job should it come open. Yeah, and the one problem is um, Murray Torres ACL in December. Like, like this is not where, like, Joe Burrow in his rookie season, like, like he – like. Like he like he was wasn't expected to even be like available in 2021 because he tore his ACL in like mid November or something like that. Kyler tore his ACL in December and he's not even expected to like be like available to play until October. So yeah. if any like if like if if they keep if they fire Cliff and like try to get a coach like that's going to be a very tough sell- selling point in that regard. Yeah, and not to mention if you are going to be essentially moving on, your assumption is that you're probably going to be moving to either a new scheme, new terminology. It just ends up being a spot where you're probably looking at 2023 almost as a, maybe not necessarily a dead year, but at least you're going to be having to go out and find another quarterback to bring in since, you know, Colt McCoy seems connected to Cliff Kingsbury. He's 36, and he took a bunch of hits against the Denver Broncos and after he got knocked out with a concussion Trace McSorley of all people comes in finishes the game Cardinals end up losing to the Broncos they're just kind of in an interesting spot because on one hand you feel like all right you've kind of got Hopkins you got Hollywood Brown you've got at least some tackles that are there got to rework your offensive and defensive lines you kind of like at least what Byron Murphy showed before the injury Everyone knows who Buda Baker is. You kind of can see at least some potential that's there, but you also can see like there's a lot of issues with the Arizona Cardinals that right now kind of revolve around the fact that at least they're not the Rams. They didn't trade all of their draft picks away for the most part and are having to try to figure this out. But they are still probably having a little bit further to go just because of that ACL. A lot of people are wondering what that will mean for the likes of Hollywood Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, um, even if J.J. Watt is a free agent for this year. Do you think at least that the Cardinal should go into more of a hard reset where they're probably playing for 2024 and 25, even if they keep Kyler Murray? Or is this going to be a place where you probably are looking at bringing in a new coach and system, fixing some of those flaws that the Cardinals have had because coaching, to at least my perspective and a lot of other people, it's especially apparent the last couple of weeks in that they just cannot only not stop the run, but they're just unable, it seems, to be able to create offense for the most part at all and it's been very difficult for a lot of fans to watch uh almost as difficult as that 2018 season in which you know josh rosen was basically dying for everyone's sins back there behind the liner you know it was like um i think that someone had said at least it was more like um you know moses was he was supposed to lead us to the promised land and then he died before he ever got there at least was like the other thing i remember someone talked about with josh rosen so it's kind of a tough spot. What would be maybe a point of optimism that you would see for Cardinals fans, or maybe there isn't as much optimism and that the optimism is going to be looking at change happening. There would probably be like, uh, like, like a journey for like long-term optimism with like a hard reset where like, where like, as you said, like 
2023 not necessarily a good year, but it's um um it, like in that regard, you like you kind of see like where Kyler Murray is at, like how far he can carry you at that point, like if he still has some of that deep ball magic from his first three seasons. Mm. Um, but uh, but it it, it is it, like I do think it's like a combination between like a hard reset and like bringing in a coach to try like iron out some of the flaws, like maybe try and grab a wild card spot because I think at this point I don't think they're gonna be up for division contention anytime soon with the amount of holes that they have maybe maybe they they get back to that point in 2024 2025 but um personally for me i I think i think it's i think it's gonna be it's gonna be like a bridge between like a hard reset and uh um if 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 they do fire cliff because like they could leave him on as a lame duck as we discussed like numerous times um bringing in a head coach that uh flushes out some of the flaws or something like that yeah, for sure. I know that's where I'll, I've had fans who've asked me about with Murray, and he's, yeah, they haven't even hit his rookie contract, at least for the most part yet, comes up after next season. So you're talking at least about him, probably just about a $2 million base salary and then $37 million base salary with a dead cap of about $80 million in 2024. Like, when they went and got that contract, you know that NFL teams are going to be able to move on from head coaches or general managers like that if they know they need to get better. It's not for long in that regard. It's not counting toward the salary cap. The big decision to be made was paying Kyler Murray that money. He's, I think, the quarterback you're going to have moving forward. It'll be interesting, at least, to see what they may be able to do as far as, you know, when some of those cap hits come in, especially 2024 being the biggest. You almost want to see if you could try to push some of that cap forward and restructure if you can to essentially try to, like, you know, hey, you're going to be out for eight games. Let's just keep paying you, but then that way will free us up a little bit more in the future they're really going to have to have a creative and maybe not an experienced or veteran general manager, but at least as far as an NFL coach who I think is able to help with the team. Uh, A lot of that also, I think will just depend on what the team does as far as their approach with the NFL draft uh, and free agency. They've got the majority of their players. And this is talked about why Steve Kime is gone from the team right now. He took a very year by year approach. They have guys coming up with contracts up after this year and JJ Watt, you got Byron Murphy and Zach Allen. Neither guys signed through for next year. You've got injuries that Allen has had in the past. Murphy, at least, is still have a back issue that's been going on. You know, outside of your two linebackers, you know, and then the Thompson-Baker safety trio, there's probably needs on the offensive side of the ball as far as with the interior of the offensive line. But if you got a top-five pick, you'd probably say you'd be looking at a defensive playmaker for the Cardinals, wouldn't you think? I would, especially since uh, since Watt is a free agent, so you're probably going to want someone that like that replaces him and, and and maybe maybe catches some of the mojo that you got with Watt and also Chandler Jones uh, prior prior to like getting like prior to getting like Watt in the first place, mm-hmm. or it, it was probably it was yeah it was probably after like they moved on from him last season, but uh yeah at, like at, like I think absolutely someone that like has that edge potential. I I, I haven't watched anyone from uh like college in terms of like edge prospects yet. That will definitely be something I do like. I guess twenty twenty three approaches, but uh, that would definitely be something that the Cardinals need to do is is is, is like look into uh, retooling that uh, defensive front, particularly the edge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think also you can say like cornerback, whether or not you do bring Byron Murphy back, the team's corners have actually not been that bad. They just have not gotten pressure. They've not been able to get hits. Byron Murphy walks. You're kind of in that weird spot of trying to figure out, you know, what's the team going to do? Does a new general manager try to take more of a Minnesota approach of trading back? There is another option that's floated around a lot within the Cardinals fan base, and it's people are taking a look at DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't have any guaranteed money that's left on his contract as far as – you know, like 
there's still guarantees for injuries and everything. But they do have an out after this year, at least. They've got some dead cap that they would have. A lot of fans have looked at DeAndre Hopkins at age 30 and wondered, if you're going to have Kyler Murray out, will Hopkins want out from this team? Because that would be an interesting area of, you know, does DeAndre Hopkins want to go through with a backup quarterback, play with Kyler Murray? Or would he want to basically move to a team? A lot of Cardinals fans, at least, have said that they want to see him traded for a first-round pick, which would allow them to, you know, move some cap space around, probably keep Hollywood Brown. I've said that there's two issues that I think that pop up with that idea. The first one, at least, is he's got a no-trade clause, and that's one of the things that Kyler Murray doesn't have. It's just he's got cap hits that make it untenable. So you're probably talking about DeAndre Hopkins not necessarily being let going to, like, the team that's – picking first or second uh he's obviously not going to the texans i would think at least but there's not going to be as many places yeah. because he can go to a contender the other thing i think also is you take a look at what we mock the texans for i'm like all right you're a cardinals fan who's been mocking the texans for four years now you're the person saying yeah you know what we need to do we need to go and move off of deandre hopkins go for a rookie who hasn't played in the nfl before and that's going to be the thing and i think there's a little flawed approach with that idea as well but it really is a question, at least, of if you are going to be doing that form of a hard reset, like, is it better to try to get a rookie first-round receiver, at least, while you have the value move on from a 30-year-old? Or, when you look at Tyreek Hill moving to the Miami Dolphins, is that going to be a place where you'd say, hey, this, you can say that in some cases they made up for it, like with the Chiefs. Other cases, you look at Packers moving on from Devontae Adams when he turned 30, and that looks like it's been a colossal failure for the Green Bay Packers. Do you think that's something that should even be considered by the Cardinals, given the nature of what could be a hard reset? It could, and uh, I think I think one team that could be in consideration would be the Ravens, which is funny because like they like mm. they traded with the Ravens to get Hollywood Brown in the first place, and that would also be one, uh, that would also be a guy that could like could be a reason for Lamar Jackson staying there because Hop- because Hopkins mm. has not lo- like his he's not lost his athleticism at this point. He's still like he's 30 but he, like, he but like he could be um on the on the good like the good side of like 30 at this point. Mm, we like yeah. we'll see, but uh that I I I think that's one team in consideration. What well, do I do I think it will happen? Um maybe not because as you said like he does have a no trade clause it would, it would be up to him for it, for that tr- for that possible trade to even go through in the first place but that's also one team that like I'm, I I like I want to keep in mind as like they're like they're desperately trying to keep Lamar or maybe they're not. We'll see. Never know. Yeah, what I was gonna say. Ravens seem like a, a destination point for almost any wide receiver. You'd wonder and see what happens with Greg Roman and that offense. Obviously, that was a huge thing. With I even told people when Hollywood Brown came to Arizona and was the guy besides DeAndre Hopkins, his targets just went through the roof. And you can see because you're otherwise throwing to AJ Green and. Rondell Moore at that point, he was healthy, looked really good for two games, then gets hurt again. And that's kind of been the nature, unfortunately, of him as a player. The other team that I'm curious about would be the team like the New England Patriots. Uh, I think that Bill Belichick, if he decides he's going to stick around, obviously there have been issues with Matt Patricia. I could see them you know, changing out as far as their offensive coordinator. But you've got Mac Jones on a rookie deal, and your best receiver is Jacoby Myers. And really, if you're going to talk about a team that's picking a bit later in the draft, being able to look at making one of those moves, you could do a lot of things, I think, at least in New England, being able to get back to form. I don't think that... It's going to be Tom Brady to Randy Moss by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, you know, a Mac Jones, or like you even said, if a, say, uh, whether Tom Brady goes back to New England at least, or even if you talk about, you know, other teams at least trying to make a trade with the Patriots, maybe they move on from 
you know, the likes at least of uh, a couple of different things you could do. Obviously, I was going to say, like, I don't know if they would want to move off of Mac Jones unless it was a guy who was going to be that much significantly better. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, I think, to say the least. The other factor, obviously, of paying Hollywood Brown from what he wants, what the Cardinals could pay. It's going to be a very interesting to see what his market is. He got hurt at one point this year. Probably was on pace for about a thousand yards or so. It's not been since he's come back. It's been obviously a couple drops, but you kind of wonder at least if he's going to be a guy that sticks around with Kyler Murray, or if the Cardinals are going to kind of end up being in the unfortunate nature of, you know, they kept Christian Kirk around. He went on, got paid a lot, goes on to make plays for someone else. Ravens were in that same spot. It's going to be really interesting considering that he's going to be a free agent the same year that Kyler's con cap number is going to go a lot higher. I think when you get a new coach and a new GM in the building, whatever determination you kind of make on those guys, I think that's going to probably determine if this is more of a hard reset for the Cardinals or if they're going to basically be, we're going to find a good veteran, we're going to kind of run it back at least for one more year, but we're going to improve a lot of these other things. And with or without Cliff Kingsbury, it's going to be really interesting because I think DeAndre Hopkins himself is going to be the guy who will probably make that decision because of that no-trade clause. Going back to Hollywood Brown, um, he's a first-rounder. Did he have his, like, first-year first or, or like fifth year option picked up at all? Uh, yeah, because this is his fourth year. He had his third-year option picked up as soon as they traded for him. So they got that fifth-year option. It's just more of an interesting case of you got him under contract for two years. You look at the same issue with Kyler Murray. Kyler tears his ACL. He got that contract already. Hollywood, most players, when they get traded, like the best example I think of is a Chandler Jones. Cardinals traded for Chandler Jones, spent a second, didn't pay him until after the season. They almost wanted him to like prove it first, and I think some of that's on the general manager. He likes having players in contract years so that that way they'll kind of perform, and then they can at least judge based off of contract performance. Now, I think that there's negatives to that because then you can let Hassan Reddick, you know, go off in a contract year and then decide to not pay him anyway. And, you know, it's a good argument that he's behind Nick Bosa as a defensive player of the year candidate right now in Philly. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Cardinals do, because on one hand, you can say that everything from the scouting to the general uh, manager to the coaching staff has had issues. There's probably going to be players that overturn. The fact that the matter is, is that Arizona's kind of a spot where right now, if they can turn it around, they're going to be at least in a really good place. And if they can't turn it around, then you kind of go back to being like that idea of the same old Cardinals. And we're talking about Kyler Murray being the guy who in a year or two would maybe be trying to move on or move out to a different team. And I'm going to be fascinated to watch and see what exactly the team does because this year has been such a reckoning for them as far as the entire expectation of we're going to run it all back, go back to the playoffs, re-sign James Conner and Zach Ertz at – you know, 27, which is ancient in running back years, and 32. You got one guy at least is banged up. The other obviously tears his ACL. It's going to be very interesting, I think, to see exactly what the team does because, like people said, there's positives, but you can also kind of see the pickle that they're in exiting the year as probably one of the worst teams in football, at least for the 22 se 2022 season, and we'll see how they do in 2023. Yeah, we shall. Also, my also my audio for that one part was like delayed, so I apologize for that. Oh, no worries, at least, for all that. Still caught you there. Uh, I always edit and post, as they say. All right, last thing, at least, of topic, and this is kind of at least a little bit painful to talk about. Let's wrap up, talk a little bit about the Buccaneers and the Cardinals. I don't think we need to spend that much. I'd rather talk about some potential <laughs> head coaching options, honestly. Let's talk about it because it's coming up. You got Tom Brady 
And then you're out probably with the concussion that Colt McCoy suffered. Like, he clearly was not moving, not there. It looked very similar to the Russell Wilson and the Tua Tagovailoa uh, concussions this year. They both missed the following game. Uh, I feel like what's going to happen is Trace McSorley is probably going to be starting at least. And then you're talking about a Christmas Day game with a bad Buccaneers team and the Cardinals, who have been a bad offense this year, having their third-string quarterback who uh, had at least uh, two interceptions against the Denver Broncos, which granted it's the Denver Broncos. I don't think there's a shot that the Cardinals are going to even have in this game. It almost kind of feels like you'd probably just start Trace McSorley, go into the game knowing you're just playing for pride at this point, knowing that the scoreboard is probably not going to be in your favor at the end of the game, unless Tom Brady decides to have like the worst game of his entire life (laughs) against the Cardinals and their bad defense. This, like this is odd because like I feel I actually feel like the opposite like this feels like the best chance that the Cardinals have for a win and my reason for it like, my reason for it like doesn't really have any like like data or like analytical stuff like like it like it feels like like with Trace McSorley it like he's such like an unknown at this point that like the Bucks don't even have that much tape on also Todd Todd Bowles like like coach in, in Arizona with Bruce Arians as defensive coordinator so like this is like the Todd Todd Bowles Bowl. Um, it does like <laughs> the it, bowls like, bowl. It's, it's it, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the bowl, the bowls bowl, whatever. Yeah, whatever um, you want to call it, it, like, bowls, it, I think works at least for how their team has been this <laughs> year. Unfortunately, to say it's just been oof, it's been it, rough without BA. It, with both teams, yeah, it, like it, it is, it is odd because because like that, like that team has just been so poorly coached, and like 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 the glue for that team has been Tom Brady. It feels like one of those situations, situations where the uh, where the underdog, like the Cardinals in this case, somehow pull away with like a last minute victory that like mm-hmm. no one sees coming because like everyone's like writing them off, and who knows, maybe the Bucks are too. Um, yeah, uh, I that would like, be a Christmas like, how, Day how, present how, for all the Cardinals fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how how like how confident I am in that happening? I don't know, especially since the Cardinals have had like the worst home record in like the mm-hmm. last like two years or so. But um, I think I think like with the schedule coming up, like this could be like the like their best chance of winning another game. Yeah, yeah they're like opinion. four and I think it's four and nineteen at home at least for the last streak, which is just insane when you think about it. They had one win in the past calendar year, and it was funny was we even said like if you look at the stats, it's like. The Saints still put up 500 yards of offense in that game. Like, if they did not get those yeah. two pick sixes of Andy Dalton, Saints would have won that game. It's just that's what happens, and that's yeah. part of the whole approach. So it's fascinating. I don't think that it's going to be that close because I don't know if the Cardinals' defense is able to stop players anymore for the most part. We'll see. But like you said, yeah. there is probably a chance, because we've seen it happen before, that a team comes out that you say is going to lose out. They go out and surprise and put up one last win for the season. That's something that maybe Arizona goes out and does. They've got a game, obviously, against the Atlanta Falcons on the road the next week with a rookie quarterback and a very strong run game. That would be an interesting fit for Lamar Jackson if they do decide to trade him. Like you talk about, you know, a huge run heavy offense, some of those different weapons they've invested into the receiver with like, all right, tell me that you can take Mark Andrews and give, you know, a new guy, Kyle Pitts. You can tell me you got Drake London outside. Like there is a lot, I think that would be interesting there, but that means that Desmond Ritter he's going to be playing hard to try to prove himself to this Falcons uh, staff to be a guy that they can go with next year because, you know, this is this time he's going to be playing and starting. Then you come back home against, uh, I think this is oh, the Niners being at home since Cardinals' home game was in Mexico, which is weird, but that's what the NFL did to get a Super Bowl this year, at least in uh, Glendale. The Niners may be resting their players. However, what I have argued and I 
until I see otherwise, I could see this being a case where D'Amico Ryans looks at it and says, what do I want people as I go into these head coaching interviews to remember? I think that he's got a chance to basically just rip the Cardinals apart in that final game rather than just saying, we're going to play easy. We'll let our divisional opponent do better. I think that he is going to lead that defense and do well. It'll be very interesting to see how the Cardinals finish out this season. And we can talk about it now. If they move a move at head coach, who that coach would be who'd want to take on this mixed bag it's not like you're taking on a job like the panthers maybe you just need to leave that with steve wilkes at least and get him a quarterback there's just a lot going around with the different pieces right it almost feels kind of like you almost want an experienced coach to come in and take over versus maybe that first time coordinator just depends on who you think at least would be the best fit for the team are there any names out there that have been either hot or ones that you've seen that have been impressive that the cardinals should look to interview if they move on from cliff kingsbury we we were just talking about this guy, D'Amico Ryan's like like mm. as, like especially especially on the defensive front because they're so bad and like the 49ers have the number one defense in the league. That could be something that the front office uh, considers if they do decide to move on from Cliff. Mm. Um, another like another thing that's been popping up has been Ken Dorsey. Bills fans kind of hate him, but like they also hated Brian Dable, Dable of Dable. This is I think true. Yeah, uh, of like uh, like offensive coordinators basically aren't like. In defensive, like they basically aren't popular unless your team has like number two or number one, uh, like unit and points scored or points allowed or whatever. Right. So yeah, I don't know. We'll so, like we'll see in that guard. Yeah, I know because right now the top offense that most people are looking at, they're looking at Shane Steichen, the Eagles' offensive coordinator. At least he's going to be highly pursued. Which of course, he, Jalen Hurts is hurt right now. I think that if you see Gardner Minshew go off in the next week while he is out at a home game, I actually know they're not a home game. They're actually in indoors, resume goes up. Resume yep. goes up. That's right. That's going to be there. You also talk about, I think, the most impressive one of the coaching jobs, which is unfortunate because you say, all right, let's if we're going to replace Cliff Kingsbury, who's a young offensive mind, bringing in another young offensive mind doesn't feel like it's like the proper move. But Ben Johnson's done an incredible job with the Lions as far as for not just with the spacing, but yeah. with Arizona, the best thing that we've seen from their team has essentially been the rushing attack. And a lot of times you talk about what the rushing attack is, is an extension of sometimes the offensive line coach, sometimes it's Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray's legs where defenses are forced to account for it. The passing attack is something that really had only taken off in Arizona for those seven games, and a lot of it was after turnovers, being able to get one-on-one coverage. Teams and defenses have adjusted in a lot of ways to kind of the Mahomes, Allen, Kyler, and Russ deep balls that were just, you know, throwing these bombs down the field. I'll be very interested to see at least as far as if the Cardinals pursue an offensive mind or if they pursue a, you know more of a defensive, more of the leader of men type coach because – like I tell people all the time, hey, we can ruin your young offensive mind. You know, we can ruin your defensive coach. Steve Wilkes has been doing a heck of a job down there in Carolina, at least, despite the fact that that Panthers team was, you know, they lost to the Cardinals this year. So you got to wonder how good they can be, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, like they, they, like the Car- Cardinals usually own them, too. Yeah. I mean, uh, Panthers usually own the Panthers own the Cardinals. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the first year, I think, that the Cardinals have beaten the Panthers. And I think it was 10 years they hadn't beaten the Panthers. The Jake DeLome five-interception game happened, and it was like after that, the Panthers just kept spanking the Cardinals each time. None of the games were close. Uh, Panthers led at the half, and that was the stop where I said, this might be the beginning of the end. Cardinals, of course, turn it around from there. 
now we get to talk about probably what is going to be the end, at least for one spot, of a era of Cardinals football. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much for uh, being on, talking about stuff at least. Always appreciate going through the Deep Ball Project with you each year. Why don't you go ahead and just kind of pitch some of the, you know, your Twitter account, some of the other projects you have, your Patreon, just whatever you want to talk about to sell people. Like, this is your time, at least, to always say, just to talk about your work and what you're doing. So speaking of Panthers, I write for the Panthers at the at, at our our right report. It's it's like two R's at the beginning and then I report. Um, I also do fantasy content for Dynasty League Football at DL Football, um, and I'm also a co-host on the on the Suryat Show at Suryat Show. Probably, I think we're changing our name pretty soon, so probably uh, <laughs> update the hashtag at some point pretty soon. But uh, also on my Patreon, YouTube, TikTok, those are things you can find me at at Brookwell Blitz as well. So definitely on those platforms too fantastic hey thanks so much for being on that's been the revenge of the birds podcast we'll be back at least after christmas for the most part we'll see if we're talking about a cardinals win or if we're going to be talking about tom brady at least taking it to them thanks again guys for tuning in thank you johnny for joining and go cards